positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we are firmly convinced that creating success and happiness is rooted in understanding the ultimate nature of reality and the fact that as human beings, we are all immensely powerful fractals of the one and only source consciousness, which creates and animates all things. Now, of course, understanding this powerful truth is one thing. Applying this incredibly empowering wisdom to everyday life? Well, that's another. Which is exactly why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week. To help constantly remind you of what matters most. You are it. And I'm your host, Brandon Beecham. I'm the one who will be here with you each and every Wednesday, interviewing a different consciousness change maker that is also out there working tirelessly to help catalyze change and expand awareness all across Spaceship Earth. On the other four weekdays, you can hear me discussing topics such as my favorite thought-provoking quotes, reading and discussing wisdom from empowering books, playing clips from various inspirational spiritual teachers, sharing a bit of mysterious news, taking questions from the audience, and essentially digging into any other mind-expansive topics that will help keep your soul fed by tuning you into positive vibrations on a consistent basis. All right, all you positive heads, on this week's interview episode, I'm very happy to have Christian De La Huerta here with me on the show. Christian is an author and coach that teaches the incredible power of breath work. Hello there, Christian. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Brandon. Glad to be here. It's very grateful to be on the show. Yeah, likewise. It's it's funny because this is one that's been coming up for me a lot, um, just sort of subconsciously. Uh, the whole uh, you know idea of breath work and practicing breath work, and only within the last maybe month or six weeks or so, I've started doing a little, uh, a very quick um, chakra opening meditation where I focus on my breath in that process before I record each day. So very excited to, to dig in, pick your brain about this uh, fascinating subject. Before I do, um, I'd like to start with the same question I start with everyone that I interview. And that is you're in an elevator, uh, the guy next to you looks over, says, what's your passion? You got 10 floors to answer. What do you say? <laughs> um, well, I think I'll answer that in the sense like what, like what my, what drives me the most, what my sole purpose is. And, and that is to, to play a role and do whatever I can to support humanity's, um, awakening at this particular time. To me, it feels like we're at the most critical juncture in our collective evolution. We could, you could even say make it or break it point. I think the planet's going to be fine. You know, it might take a couple of million years, but it'll find homeostasis again and life will continue in some form. Whether we make it, hmm, you know, we're, we're not certainly not out of the woods yet. And certainly now just beginning to witness whatever it is that we have unleashed on the environment. Um, so, you know, I've been saying for years, all hands on deck, and and now it's really all hands on deck. You know, like if, right. if any of us, any of us who have the slightest suspicion that we have work to do in terms of teaching, um, healing, getting the message out there as you are, um, 
this is it. This is the time that we've been waiting for. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree with that. It is, uh, it, it appears to be a crucial juncture in our evolution as a species. And uh, you have so many different energies um, bubbling up at the same time, vying for sort of uh, attention, right? Yep. Yeah. So uh, it is. It's great to connect with you, uh, and uh, certainly excited to hear about your, uh, you know, your perspective on we can all help to uh, create homeostasis, healing, uh, and uh, so forth on this planet with ourselves, with others. Um, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, and uh, you know, what's your what's your story? Who's who's Christian? Hmm. Um, well, I was born in Cuba, uh, you know, at the time of the revolution. So I lived under, under Castro, under a communist regime for, for the first 10 years of my life. Uh-huh. Um, then came to the States, you know, where, where I've been since um, majority of my life. Um, degree in psychology. My dad was a psychiatrist, so I came out of that kind of psychotherapeutic tradition. And 30, almost 30 years ago, I discovered breathwork um and and that opened up but changed my life like even the first session that i ever did i knew that i would never be the same i knew i had to do it again i didn't care what i had to do what it cost or where i had to go and i knew that i had to make it available to others because it works so fast and heals in so many ways so profoundly so it's been you know almost 30 years now that i've been teaching that and teach it all over the world um with very effective result. It just works. And I, and yeah. I know it sounds too good to be true. And to, to my logical mind, even 30 years into it, um, you know, when, when I think about or hear myself speaking about how it works and, and that it heals at so many levels, not only mentally and emotionally and psychologically, but also spiritually and even physically just from breathing. Right. I know it's, I realize it sounds too good to be true, but it works. I just, I well, they say argue. the simplest solution <laughs> is often the best solution, right? And that's the yep. thing about it. It sounds like such a, a simple, uh, simple thing. And, uh, of course, it's something that we all take for granted and, and don't necessarily give the focus and attention that it deserves. I think you would, you would agree with. Yeah. And it's so simple. And, and if we think about it, when first thing that, that we do when, when the emotions come up, if they're scary emotions or, you know, we're like in, about to face an upset or where fear comes up or anger comes up or even sadness, the first thing we do is like, stop breathing. We, we shut the breath down. We start breathing. Right. And, and that's what anchors. Which is all the that. opposite of what we should do, be doing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. If we will have the presence of mind just to continue breathing deeply through those emotions, then, then they don't get lodged in our body and we don't have to carry, you know, years. And in some of our cases, decades of unexpressed, suppressed emotional crap. Right. Right. Well, why don't you, uh, why don't you give us the, 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 the broad overview or the detailed overview, if you will. Um, we've got some time here, um, about, you know, breath and, and sort of, uh, you know, touching on how we can utilize it, a deeper understanding of its power and potential, both, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually to improve our lives. Sure. Um, you know, and one way to begin to think about, you know, so, so, and this might even help on, so, some of us understand why it works as simple as, as it is. In most uh, spiritual traditions in the world, um, the word for spirit and 
breath is the same. So the same word can be ah. can mean breath or spirit depending on how it's used, depending on the context. Right. So, so possibly that helps um, understand why it works so effectively. There's a lot of different types of breathing modalities, different practices, you know, pranayama in, in yoga classes that I imagine a lot of your, your, your listeners would be familiar with that term. The particular type of breathwork that I'm, that I'm using, that I'm talking about is, is different. It is a type of pranayama or it is a yoga practice, yogic breathing practice, but it's different than the one that most of us know from yoga class. So this one is done for about an hour, so it's much longer. Oh, wow. Um, it's a cir circular connected breath um, and in and out the mouth, and it's incredibly powerful. As I said before, not only does it heal, and, and that would be enough um, at all those levels, but it also brings about some of the most amazing, profound spiritual experiences that I have ever had and I have witnessed countless people have over, you know, thousands of people have over the, over the, the last few decades. It's interesting um, that you bring that up. Just interject real quick because, sure. you know, I do daily shows uh, four days a week and then one interview uh, on Wednesdays. And, um, you know, the, the last topic was uh, a question. I take a lot of questions from listeners was, hey, am I, am I spiritually mute? All, people talk about these spirit guide experiences and all these fascinating meditative, you know, out of body experiences, so forth, so on. And uh, so I, I addressed that person um, mm -hmm you know, yesterday in, um, the daily episode. And so it's interesting that you mentioned that as something, because it really has been something I haven't done a lot of breath work in my life, but it's something that, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I've been, I've been doing uh, a chakra opening meditation every time before I, I turn on the microphone mm, and beautiful. just those even, you know, two minutes of deep breathing, I feel so, such a, a natural high and calmness and joy. And I could see how your first experience with it, you would say, oh man, I'm addicted. I got to do this. So I can only imagine, you know, an hour long practice. And I think it's, it's very interesting that you said it can lead to those sorts of experiences. And yet another way that maybe a lot of listeners haven't thought of as a path to open up to, um, you know, those sort of uh, spiritual profound experience that I think a lot of my listeners probably long for. Yes, yes, exactly. And you're right. Even, even a two minute conscious breathing a day or, or doing it intentionally right before a difficult meeting or an, an important meeting or a difficult conversation. It's like, it's life changing. As simple right. as that. Um, great way to handle stress, to handle, um, you know, just the stress of life that so many of us walk around in. Right. And in this longer practice that we're talking about, it's really profoundly life changing. Um, I mean, I, I can just tell you so many stories of, of even physical healing, like like things that 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 the little that the mind, the little mind that wants to figure it all out and understand how right. it works, really really can't wrap it, its 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 mind around it. Right. What is it's the process? Can you can you explain the the process of this? You know, um, you this you hour long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it? Yeah, well, I mean, is you, it just? It's, it's it's as simple as that. You breathe in a circular way. It's like I don't I don't recommend that with somebody like one of your listeners would just pick, you know, pick it up and do it on their own because it's pretty powerful. It's good to have wow. somebody present, you know, professional, somebody who's been trained. Really? Wow. Um, present. Yeah. I mean, like once you do, you know, five or 10 sessions, then you can be taught how to do it yourself. But it's people have profound cathartic moments. 
Wow. Um, and people have, you know, past traumas come up. People, you know, stuff so, that, so that, really, so it's something that you like, it's, it's not something it's, it's such a powerful experience. You think there's, um, uh, a danger in doing it on your own or you just won't be prepared to, um, you know, to handle sort of the, the, the things that come up on your own or that's an interesting perspective yeah, because would, of course that does add a layer of, of, of difficulty, unlike meditation or whatever I can go and practice alone. Right. Yeah. Like I wouldn't, like people have asked me over the years, well, can't, can't you do a recording and, and put it up on the web or something, or at least a, an audio version tag guiding people through the experience. And I've never done it because I don't know what's inside of somebody's psyche, you know, somebody's mind. Right. So, so it's, it's important for me to be there physically or somebody, you know, who has been trained. So a lot of, a lot of it is creating the psychologically safe space so that the, the stuff that's been suppressed or repressed, the emotions that have been stuffed down in right. there so that, so that there's a safe container um, for it to emerge. You know, once I have an ex- personally have a, a chance to see somebody breathe for the first time, then I can, then I can engage. Yes. W- would, would I feel comfortable having, you know, teaching you how to do it yourself, which is, you know, the practice mm-hmm. itself, how to do it is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 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 but that, you know, I would, I would rather have be either, either myself or somebody that's trained with me or, or there's different modalities that people would, that, that I would recommend they go to first before they try right. it on their own. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And, and, and what are the, you know, I've been, uh, hearing some, you know, um, hearing about different modalities. I know, uh, quite a few times lately in my circle, uh, the individual, I'm sure you've heard of him before. Wim Hof has come up the ice yes, man yes. and he has some yep, breathing yep, techniques yep. that I've been, that's been coming up like almost daily in the last week for me. Um, people either recommending that I bring him on the show or, you know, check this out, check out the breathing techniques or, you know, and then you hear of uh, holotropic breathing. So, yes. um, curious what you know what these different modalities are and how they differ in the experience you know compared to i mean is there a particular name that you give the the type of breathing that that you you recommend the, the, the style of, you know, i was trained as one of the original form of it when they came up with it when it was discovered kind of by accident um here in the west by a man by the name of Leonard Orr, who was, you know, myth has it or the lore has it that he was sitting in a hot tub in in California experimenting with his breath and then suddenly, boom, had this amazing expanded state of awareness. So initially they started, you know, doing it in in, in the hot tubs. It's still done in, in, in hot tubs occasionally, but then it was brought out with to where you just do it lying on the floor um, on your back and in a very relaxed pose. Um, so... I stopped using it, using the term rebirthing a long time ago for a variety of reasons. I think it, it creates um, confusion in people's mind. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that one of the reasons they called it rebirthing is because a lot of people have the experience of, of reliving the birth process. And, I, and I've seen wow. that happen. I've seen even wow. men have both sides of the birth process. You know, like even men have the legs come up as if they were in stirrups and, and, and experience themselves as their mother and then experience wow. themselves coming out, you know, as themselves. Because if we think about it, at that point, we kind of shared body and consciousness with the mother. So it's not, not surprising sure. that we remember that, that we have a body memory of that. Right, uh, right. But, you know, I think the word rebirthing is confusing. It, it creates an, an expectation, expectation that people should have that experience and it's not necessary to have it. 
it also, you know, people confuse it with born again Christianity, which obviously has nothing to do with. Right. So I, I've been using just an, a more generic breath work um, and in particular soulful breath work, which is kind of my brand, you know, soulful power is the name mm-hmm. of my website. So right, right. Soulfulpower.com, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I see. And so you put on uh, workshops and retreats and so forth where this uh, this particular technique is the focus. Is that correct? Yes. I, I do a lot of different retreats and workshops on, on different themes. Like, for example, relationships, how to, how to do relationships consciously, intentionally. Um, mm. and, and we haven't been taught how to do that. Um, so no, definitely me, it's, not. It's, it's amazing that any relationships can work because we haven't been given the context, how to use them, how to do them intentionally, consciously. And then we haven't been taught how to clear all this accumulation of, of suppressed emotional crap. Um, right. Which is where the breath work comes in. So, so what we end up doing in, in, in relationships is just projecting stuff onto each other, dumping all of our unhealed emotional past on each other. Um, and so it's amazing to me that, that, that any of them work. So in, in, it's a very powerful combination in the retreat work with, to have the, the cognitive teachings, the understanding of, of how to hold a relationship. So like, even, even if you already are in relationship and you've got the basic human needs for, for intimacy and companionship and sex and family in some cases and all of that good stuff, then what? How do, how do we use that relationship as a way to forward, to speed up, to advance our own process of healing and spiritual evolution, which I think is ultimately the reason that we're all here for. And then if sure. we're not, and would like to be, how do we identify the subconscious obstacles, the ways that we have allowed to, um, to sabotage our, 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 our own relationships by you know, falling in love with people who are not a match? or attracting right. people who are not available in some way, who live on the other side of the, the country, or they live, or they're already with somebody else, or, or they're just not there emotionally. So that subconsciously right. we ensure that it's not gonna work out even before we get going with them. Right. But tragically then, end up ensuring the very same thing we're trying to avoid, which is, ending, which is we end up alone. Uh, so yeah. it's not a very effective strategy. So the combination of the retreats, whether we do that or I also do stuff on on personal empowerment and on women's empowerment, you know, it's like, how do we step into power, the personal power in a way that's not hierarchical, that's not about domination, control, force, manipulation, and that doesn't require for me to push anybody down, step on them, squelch them in order for me to prop myself up and feel powerful. I do that in in a different way. I do stuff on, on... life purpose, like what are we really doing here at a, at a soul level, at a mission level, and how do we identify and remove the, the, the obstacles, the ways that we have allowed ourselves to, to play small and to sell out for the illusion of security that a biweekly paycheck provides. Right. Um, and, and, and just to keep us ourselves playing small. Um, and so, but no matter what the theme of the retreat is, there are two things that I always bring in. One is the breath work, because I have yet to come across any practice that heals as quickly as it does in as many different levels. Um, and so, and then I also teach about what the ego is, you know, that, that part of the mind, that part of, of the psyche. Um, because if we're going to be identifying all the obstacles, whether it's to the type of relationships that we really long for um, and deserve to have, or, or a sense of personal empowerment or a life of meaning and purpose, 
those obstacles all come down to one thing, which is the ego mind and how it works and how it's been keeping us in prison and how we break through, you know, break out of that. So it's a combination. The retreats are a combination of of cognitive work, understanding, you know, some really powerful life-changing teachings. And then we do multiple sessions of, of breath work, um, which do the healing and, and clear those obstacles at the cellular level. Yeah. Right, right. And so you, let's talk a little bit about some of the benefits that you've seen, mm-hmm. um, you know, with with someone, you know, taking on the practice of breath work. Um, for, of course, you've touched a little bit on that, but uh, health wise, you, I mean, you've seen he, a lot of healing happen, happen. Like, are we talking about sort of miraculous healing, like, you know, instant <laughs> healing or, you know, what, what are what are some of the various yeah, benefits? Well, it's fun, it's funny to me that you use that word because sometimes that's the only way that can that I can use to explain it. Miraculous, right? Um, because they're logically, I don't understand how it works. Not not after all this time doing it. But for example, I'm I'm working here in Denver this week, and uh-huh. there's a therapist, like a you know a psychologist who had a fibromyalgia. And she did a, a retreat with me, and after several sessions, she, it was gone. And she knew she told, she knew that that it was done. And five years later, she has never had one recurrence wow. ever again. And and so that it, it it really does. And I can tell you, you know, many many stories about them. But here's my my most powerful one. I think it's the woman that I learned this from, um, who, who mentored me in this process. First time that she was doing a one on one session. At one point, she's just lying on her back, going to town, doing her breathing. And at some point, she heard the facilitator snap her fingers. And for mm-hmm. some reason, it triggered a memory that she'd forgotten about when she was five. And something had happened, and she got into an argument or an upset with her daddy. And she was got upset, and she was going to run away from home. Went outside, got on her little bike, and she started pedaling and hit a rock or something and fell over and broke her nose and was black and blue for, wow. for like three weeks. <clears throat> So at the end of the session, she turned to the woman and she goes, wow, how did you, how did you notice snap your fingers at that moment? Your timing was impeccable. It triggered this thing I'd forgotten about. And mm-hmm. the woman looked at her quizzically and was like, what are you talking about? I'd never snap my fingers. And so they kept talking. And as they kept on talking, what they figured out is that what she'd heard was the cracking of the bone. And, and the next day, so 40 years, wow. 45, 40 years later, she got up and looked in the mirror and she was black and blue all over again. Wow. Not for three weeks, but for a couple of days while the, you know, the bone and the corrected itself and the body healed itself. So it goes wow. to show how, how, how the body retains, you know, trauma. Cellular body, memory. Body, yeah. Cellular memory and how it heals itself with a simple <clears throat> breathing practice. Wow. Yeah, what a fascinating example of um, yeah. So so few uh, you know people. I've heard similar type stories before, um, and it just really goes to show you that there is uh, certainly things going on at levels that modern um, you know modern medicine doesn't really even acknowledge, right? In regards yes. to the way <clears throat> memories are, are uh, retained in. in the cells and our DNA, however it's working, right? As you said, I don't know exactly how it's working, but um, there's a lot more going on than meets the eye in certainly what we've been taught in traditional circles. And uh, what, a, what a fascinating, fascinating story. 
Fascinating. And, 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 and yeah, what you're saying is totally true. I don't, I didn't even think our, our brightest medical minds and scientific minds really, really get how the body works. Yeah. Like, yeah. We know some of the mechanics of it, but how it all works is like, I don't really think we understand that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was listening to your, uh, you did a TEDx talk on, on yes. breathing and you talked a little bit about, um, using the breath to, um, stock uh, to stop the uh uh amidala hijack i think it was that you referred the amygdala, to the amygdala hijack. amygdala amygdala sorry yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah the amygdala hijack um so um maybe you could i thought that was really interesting if you could uh, explain that sure we tend to think of of the brain as one brain but we actually have three brains you know the the first one is at the top of the spinal cord the the reptilian brain that develops in humans from age zero to 18 months. And it's the center that ensures physical survival. Um, so, you know, it maintains the, the, the regulation of the of temperature in the body, keeps us breathing, um, keeps the heart beating, all that, all that good stuff. Then above that, from age two to six, develops what we call the mammalian brain, the, the limbic system, which is the, the center of the emotions. And then above that, it's the neocortex, what we tend to, to imagine and, and see in our minds eye when we think of the brain. You know, the, the, it's, it's the center for higher, higher order thinking, strategic, you know, abstract thinking, planning. It's the youngest part of the brain, right? Yes. Developed in us from, from six. We used to think into the teen teens. Now we know that they don't fully develop until the mid-20s. Oh, wow. So for those of you know your listeners who've got teenagers, is like have fun with that because their brains are not even fully formed yet. <laughs> right, and take that <laughs> into consideration when you're wondering yes. what are you thinking, right? <laughs> Yikes. Yikes! I saw Michio Kaku give a talk one time, and he touched on that. He <laughs> talked about that very thing. He's like, "Look, guys, give your teenagers a break, right? They're <laughs> yeah. not fully even fully developed yet." Yeah, yeah. And so on either side of the brain, there's two little glands, like, yeah, like at the point of contact, if you could draw a line between the eye and the ear where the, that point meets, there's two little almond shape glands called amygdalas, and amygdala means almond in Greek. Hmm. And so they are connected to the survival mechanism. So when, when we receive sensory information through the eyes or the ears or, the, or smell, it first goes to the hypothalamus, which is like a, like a router, like a computer router, which sends that information simultaneously to the thinking brain and to the amygdalas. But the, the neuronic mm. pathway to the amygdalas is the shortest. Mm -hmm. um, so, so they get the information first. When they receive that information and, and interpret, interpret it as danger, as threat, uh, the amygdalas react in very predictable ways. Fight, flight, or freeze. And we see mm. that response all over the animal kingdom. You know, all animals right, all right, feel right. threatened. They fight, others flee, and some of them freeze. Um, and so we do the same. Um, and mm. so, so the amygdala, it's a good thing to have. It, it ensures survival. But there are a couple, a couple of problems. One of them is that their reaction and the response is very, very fast, but it's not very accurate because, because it's so fast. Mm. Um, and so we can always trust its perceptions. The other problem is that the, the amygdala has gotten confused. So when, when the amygdala feels threatened in a human, in, in an interaction, in an argument where physical survival is not at stake, it still reacts in those three predictable ways, fight, flight, or freeze. 
mm-hmm. and further complicating the problem is that when when it feels threatened not only does it go into those three modes the other thing that it, that the amygdala does is stop it blocks the thinking so it blocks access to the thinking brain so now we've got a real problem we're mm-hmm. in defcon 5 you know like high defense mode about ready to pounce and we can't even think straight right when we so, need to the most so, when we need to the most so that's a real problem and and so there are a couple of things about that that, that are very interesting um, because our grandmothers kind of knew intuitively. So, so that's called the amygdala hijack, right? Because the amygdala mm-hmm. hijacks our ability to make a choice about how we want to, how we want to handle that situation, how we want to be. Gotcha. And it just goes into that reactive mode. So, so our grandmothers, this, this brain science, we, it's only like 30 years old that we understood how this works, but our grandmothers kind of intuitively knew what we do, you know, like what would they tell us? Um, what do you do when you get upset? Take a deep right, breath, so, right? Take a deep breath. That's so. That's a primary thing. Um, there are swamis in India who have that that much body control that they can tell their hearts to slow down, and they will. Some of them can even mimic death. Most of us aren't there yet, and probably won't won't be there anytime soon. But we right. can all slow down the breath. It doesn't take much to slow down the breath. It's just basically a choice and a little, little bit of self-discipline. When we slow down the breath, the heart has no choice. The heart also has to slow down, which is the reason that we also put that into practice when we're in a stressful situation. If we slow down the breath, the heart has to slow down. As the heart slows down, then the rest of the body begins to quiet down, begins to relax. The nervous system begins to, to relax as well. And we can make a choice, a clean, clear choice. Um, the other thing that our grandmother would tell us is count to 10. Right? The, the, the amygdala hijack lasts 8 to 10 seconds. You know, then it takes a little bit longer for the, for the adrenaline that's been released into the system to quiet down. But the, right. the hijack itself lasts 8 to 10 seconds. So what we want to do then is buy time. And, and the other thing we want to do is reactivate the thinking process before it shuts down so how do we do that so asking questions you know first of all by time like you know brandon i really want to get through this but i can't do it right now i'm going to go outside Mm. i'm going to walk around the block i'm going to go sit by the lake sit under a tree calm myself down i'll be back in 20 minutes i'm not boring right so i I affirm the relationship and i buy myself some time to handle my brain biochemistry right then, then able to make a choice about how to how to respond, how to show up, um, and then ask questions like Brandon, can you help me understand why you feel that way? And hopefully, mm-hmm. I really want to know. Mm-hmm. But even if I'm just buying time, do it because it works. Until we so we can get on top of the of the of the, of the brain biochemistry, and then and then ask questions that are also going to take us to a place of learning. So, like, how did I get into the situation again? If we get really honest and, and, you know, zoom out and look at the patterns in our life, this is not the first time that we got into this argument or this type of situation. It might be a different actor, a different player, but it's the same boring play that we've done a thousand times. So how can I I handle it differently this time so that I can pop out of this boring, repetitive merry-go-round? 
right. and, and show up in a different way. What was my role in it? How did I get into it? How can I show up differently? What are the patterns? Where, where have I felt this way before? So we began to learn more about ourselves and then able to intervene and, and act in a different way. Right. Very, very interesting. And, you know, something else that you said in your talk where I, you know, I first heard you uh, on the TED Talk um, referring to that whole process and how we can be aware of it. And, of course, um, you know, sort of sidestep it. You talked about um, emotion being, you know, energy in motion and it, it, it gets stuck if we don't focus on the breath, if we don't, um, you know, become aware and sort of, you know, the breathing process really helps to, to free it up. Yes, exactly. It's like, you know, what used to be spiritual teaching that everything is energy. Now we know from quantum physics that it's true. Everything is energy, including our bodies, including the emotions. It's like, we know scientifically there's more empty space in our bodies than actual mass. And, and, and that that's the same way that the universe functions. Um, and we also know that the emotions are also energy. And we know from physics, energy can't be destroyed. So just because at some point in our lives, or many points in our lives, we, we stuff the emotions because we were afraid of confrontation or conflict, or maybe we didn't want to rock the boat of a relationship, or we were afraid that something would happen, or we might get fired if we really spoke our feelings and, our, and our, what was going on with us. Just because we stuff them doesn't mean it goes away. So th that's how we end up getting the layers and layers and layers and layers of emotional crap. Right. That, that until we find a way to clear it, and that's, again, the beauty of the breathwork practice, is that it clears that emotional crap quickly, quickly, and, and that it bypasses the mind. I can't tell you how often I hear from people who come to breathe, you know, I thought I had forgiven so-and-so for whatever. It's like, so th they thought they had in their mind. But the forgiveness that happens in the breathing practice, it's, it's like at the heart level. And right. then, then, then we are truly free. Mm. And then we free them, whoever they were, and we free ourselves. Because as long as we're holding somebody else over the fire for whatever they did or didn't do, our hand is still over the fire. So we're getting burnt too. And it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies, right? <laughs> right, right. right. Was, it, was it the Dalai Lama who said that or somebody said that? <laughs> somebody said it. It's the <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody, some wise some, being said that. Some wise being said it. And so a question comes up for me instantly, and, you know, as you mentioned uh, breath work and some of the profound, profound type of uh, experience, you know, even spiritual experience that people can have, uh, you know, during uh, this simple process. And, and of course, talking about the, um, you know, the brain and the effects on the brain. Have you have you done any sort of research or is there any knowledge that you have about uh, how this uh, the pineal gland, you know, which, of course, you hear um, referred mm -hmm. to as a third eye, how this is affected by breathwork? You know, that there isn't enough um of, of the scientific study of it that like they haven't studied like the like they have for example the effects of meditation that there's tons and tons and years of scientific research as to how it works right i think the the breath work is next like like yeah. i'm in conversation with um a graduate student who is proposing uh that for her thesis in psychology graduate student and and there's another um connection that that's being made with you know where it's it's now in in the radar of, of right, some right, right. scientific minds to begin to and i think it'd be great i can't wait for somebody to actually study it and see what's happening in the brain when sure. we're doing this 
Right. Wow. That's really interesting that we're that um, sort of unaware of something that's, ha- you know, in your case, having, you know, done this sort of work for decades and seen such profound, um, you know, benefit. Yet, from a scientific standpoint, we have, uh, you know, we're still in the dark, so to speak, on what's going on. What an what yeah, a interesting, yeah. it really it shines a light on how uh, little we really know, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. For people who are so caught up on what does the science say? What does the science say? Well, it says something different than it said 20 years ago, and it's going to probably say something different 20 years from now than it says, you know, in the future than it says now. We're, we're just babes in the woods where that goes, right? Totally, man. That's so true. That is so true. <laughs> babes in the woods. <laughs> so you... Um, you know, another thing that uh, stuck out to me that you mentioned in your TED Talk was uh, you said that breath is an intelligence of its own and that uh, that we are actually being breathed. Can you speak on that? Yeah, you know, and that's where it gets a little, a little bit more into the spiritual aspects of it. Um, Perfect. <laughs> so, so, it, so it connects to what I was talking about. You know, we're, we're spirit and breath. And I mean, I'll, I'll speak from my own personal experience, but I see it happening all the time with others is where we start, you know, I might start doing the, the, the breathing cycle, like, you know, with intention, like, you know, pulling the inhale and just letting go of the exhale. But at some point, it's like, like the breath takes over yeah. and then the breath is running the show and it, and it goes in its own different speed. So sometimes it goes really, really fast and re- like a shallow breath, like, <laughs> or, or uh-huh. sometimes it goes really slow and really deep and it takes you on a journey. It takes you on a trip Wow. where I mean, if we think about it now, it's like, are we really breathing ourselves? It's a right. good thing that we don't have to remember to breathe. Um, yeah. uh, you know, most of us would probably forget. But in that practice, it, to me, it, it becomes undeniable that there is something breathing us some Hmm. intelligence some force something yeah very fascinating yeah i've I've heard it said that um as we breathe it's sort of like birth and death happening uh over and over like you're being born anew you know and then it's sort of like and it goes along with this idea when you look at you know from a quantum physics perspective, we're we're popping in and out of existence constantly, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. and so as we breathe, it's like birth, death, birth, death, birth, death, and you're constantly being born anew, essentially, with each breath. Yeah, and and interesting that you mentioned that too, because I've, over the years, people often will mention mention you know that. That the breath, this particular breathing practice, it's it's very similar to Lamaze. So, like this is a, the, that natural breath that that women will go to, um, you know, when mm-hmm. when they're about to give give birth. Um, and often people will think, you know, that's just what my father or my mother sounded like when they were about to pass. Their breath was doing that same thing, that same right, wow, rhythm. Yeah. Uh huh. Interesting. Yeah. And it's interesting that Lamaze, you know, you talked about earlier having a lot of people having the experience of the, of the birthing process. So I, I I find it interesting that that's, uh, you know, as a, as sort of a tie in there. Um, you know, I've heard it, I've heard it said before, um, that the, our, our breath, the relationship between how much breath we take in and how much it, there's a relationship between how much breath we take in, how, how deep and, 
you know, in, in how much intention is in our breath, uh, a direct correlation to how much life um, circumstance uh, or even difficult life circumstance we can handle, right? The deeper yeah, the breath, totally. the vaster our capacity. Uh, totally. Have you heard this comparison? Yes, I, I, use, I use that almost in the same verbatim words that you express it. And I see it all the time. You know, people that when, like even myself, when I first started doing this, I would listen to my mentor do the, you know, the, the demo, like show in, in the beginning of the intro um, spiel how to show, to show people how to, how to do it. And I'd find myself thinking, wow, she sounds like a wind tunnel. I started right. teaching very quickly. And about a year into it, one time I was demonstrating the breath in the beginning of a session and, and I realized like it dawned on me was like, wow, I sound like a wind tunnel. So right. that it really, my ability to breathe, to take in breath and as you point to, take in life, to receive life, mm -hmm. had right. already increased dramatically in even a short year. Right. Wow. Really, really fascinating. I'm going to just keep kind of checking off the things that really jumped out in your TED talk. Another that you, you mentioned uh, that I found really fascinating, you talked about uh, argon and how, mm. you know, this is something that we're breathing in and out and uh, how it doesn't change. Can you, can you explain that? Yes, I love that. I, I learned that in um, the documentary I Am, um, mm -hmm. which highly recommend to your, view, to your listeners if they haven't um, seen it yet. Um, and basically, it's a, it's the by Tom Shadyac who produced and directed the Jim Carrey movies. But this is a documentary documentary about him, about his life. And short version of it is he had a pretty bad concussion from a bicycle accident, and he almost didn't come back from it. Um, and but when he did, he did so with renewed sense of purpose. So he got a camera crew and went around the world and asking authors and spiritual teachers and leaders what's wrong with the world and what can we do about it and i won't spoil how he wraps that up in a beautiful way at the end but in the process makes some some beautiful uh discoveries that we can also talk about like even the heart um, mm -hmm. but the the one that you bring up about um the element of argon um, argon is an, an inert inert element, which means that it's immutable. It doesn't change. So, so mm -hmm. unlike oxygen, that when we breathe it in, it, it comes out as carbon dioxide. When we breathe in argon, it comes out as this exact same boring argon. Right. Um, so, so it's so what that tells us that it's this that we're breathing right now the very same argon that went through the lungs of the pterodactyl and the woolly mammoth and the saber-toothed tiger. <laughs> and right. the very same argon that went through the lungs of, of the ancient Hindu masters and the, the ancient Hebrew prophets, you know, 3,000 years uh, BCE, and the same argon that went through the lungs of the Buddha and Confucius and Lao Tzu, about 500 years BCE, and the very same argon that went through the lungs of the Christ and the Magdalene and Mother Mary, and, and all the rest of the... The, the light bringers and the truth speakers and the prophets and, and our greatest scientific minds and, um, you know, all the saints and, and the, the, the most brilliant artistic minds, that very same argon is going through our lungs right now. Mm. Yeah, what a fascinating connection that you can make um, to these people. And yeah, I thought that was a really cool and interesting point. Um, 
And so to switch topics just a little bit, you also sure. wrote, uh, you, you've written a book uh, not too too long ago called uh, Coming Out Spiritually. Can you uh, talk a little bit about your book? Yeah, um, that book was written, I think probably 15 years ago. Oh, I'm was it that done. far? Long back. I don't know why I was thinking yeah. it was within the last few years. No, I'm, I'm almost done with another one, um, which is about, it's called Soulful, Soulful Hero, um, which is about the hero's journey. You know, like, what does it mean ah, to live? I love that to topic. Live, yeah. Yeah. Like, what does it mean to live heroically in the 21st century when we don't have our, our horses hit, hitched outside and our armors to wear and, and, and demons to slay except the ones that are inside of us? Right. Um, and so, so but, but I'm actually going to release it first as an app. Um, because oh, cool. the reality, the harsh reality is that most of us don't read. Most people don't read and our society is becoming even more ADD. Um, right. It seems like every day. Uh, so I've so got to I admit do, it. You know, part of this podcast was there's so many books I want to read. I'm so busy with different entrepreneurial ventures and so forth. What a, what a shortcut. Let me get all my uh, favorite authors on the show and I can get, get the direct download, right? In yeah, an but, hour or so from them. So and thank you. And thank you because you're serving many, many people who, who like you and even like me don't, don't have the time or don't take the time um, right. to read. So, so what I'm doing with the app, I'm, I'm basically breaking down the lessons into, you know, five, 10 minute at most recorded um, lessons, but then they're interactive. So mm. there are, there, there are homeworks, there, there are homework, there are assignments and um, it's gamified, gamified cool. around the, you know, around the hero's journey so that you get points for, for completing the task. And, you know, I'm not going to talk a lot more, lot more about that now, but to go cool, back though. to your cool idea. question. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be, it's going to do really well. Um, When's that going to come out? Pro- I'm hoping by the end of the year, before the end of the year, it's we're in production gotcha. mode right now and, and cool. it's moving fast and, and it really is exciting. That's a very exciting process, uh, project for me. Um, and so, cause I think it'll reach a lot more people than, than, um, you know, that, a, that a book will, um, right or, or could um, the coming out spiritually the the basic premise of it is that it's really tragic that you know the gay people LGBT people um, so many um, of us struggle with spirituality and no wonder you mm-hmm. know, given given the given the fact that we confuse it with religion with organized sure. religion and no wonder yep. given the way that we have been treated and in many ways continue to be treated by by religions all over the world but that right. the irony of that the tragedy of, of that is that before the patriarchal patriarchal cultures and religions uh, people that we today call lgbt were not only spiritually inclined, but were actually honored uh, for the roles mm. of spiritual service and spiritual leadership that we fulfilled all over the world. So mm. part of the book is is compiling that information, which I must have read 50 books to to compile that and mm-hmm. synthesized it and organized it into like spiritual roles, spiritual archetypes, like mm-hmm. um, mediators, um, scouts of consciousness, keepers of beauty, you know, roles that of course, not just LGBT people have played throughout history, but that we certainly play in disproportionate numbers um, mm-hmm. to the overall to the overall population. Sure. So it, it's kind of both a, a, a call to action for our community to reclaim 
our spirituality, which which it's innate to all of us. You know, to, sure. Like, to me, it's like I go with, um, you know, what I, f- I forget um, who said it that we're we're spiritual beings who happen to be having a physical experience, right? Um, for one time or many times, depending on your system of belief. Yeah, um, not physical so beings, to, just uh, striving for a spiritual experience the other way around. Or exactly. when you get to the to the base of exactly. the situation. Exactly. Um, and so, like many of us, you know, we have rejected parts of our humanity, whether it's our sexuality or our spirituality, just yeah. parts of being human. So for me, it's really critical that we reclaim all those parts of our rejected humanity and that we find a way of expressing it that is a match, that yeah. works for us. Right. Um, well, that's that's yeah, really and interesting. Also, and, and- and being you know exposed to uh, organized religion as a child and a lot of very conservative thinking, it is uh, it's it's just wild to me how much organized religion and think. Thankfully, it seems to be shifting a little bit, um, but so much of it still viewing, um, you know, someone who's homosexual as broken or wrong or needing to be fixed. And it's like, could it be more apparent that that? that people are, are born this way. It's yeah. the, I mean, they can even see the difference in the brain chemistry. Right. And yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, it's, it's yet we have these, I can think of my own father, you know, he's a great guy. He's just l- locked into this archaic idea of religion. And, you know, there's something, you know, it, it's, it's all judgmental and not, it's just like a not understanding. Thank goodness it's shifting. But yes. uh, mm-hmm. I imagine for a lot of gay individuals that the spiritual piece, when you look at how it's, uh, how, you know, uh, organized religion has, has looked at, uh, homosexuality, it's, it's had to, had to be confusing, uh, just another layer of confusion. So I think it's, uh, I think it's really fascinating that in, in a mm-hmm. wonderful idea that you wrote a book that addresses just that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, if it was only that, if it was only confusing or if it was only like growing up thinking that, that you're broken or, or being told that there's something wrong with you, then, then it wouldn't be quite so bad. It's like what we're being told is that we are an abomination in the eyes of God. That's going to be tortured for eternity. For yeah. eternity. <laughs> for eternity. <laughs> Not just a billion years. And then you get to try again. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but God so, loves you. <laughs> yeah, and, and so how do you reconcile that? You know, how do you reconcile? Like in my case, I I always had this desire to serve the sacred. You know, God as I understood yeah. it, that I was raised in in a very Catholic environment. Mm. But so trying to reconcile that with being told that I'm on, that I'm an abomination, right? So so you know, my adolescence was one long depression with suicidal thoughts. Wow. Um, and, and that's, you know, one of the reasons why the rate of suicide among, among you know, LGBT youth is so much higher than, yeah. than their heterosexual counterparts. It, right, because it's right. really a, a fundamental existential question that we have yeah. to struggle with. Right, right. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of progress from your childhood to now. Obviously, there's still plenty more work to do, but... Um, yeah, I would yeah, imagine no, no, it's, it's, it's amazing the progress, and and some of those advances are being threatened right now by by the current administration. Yeah, right, um, right, and and you two know, steps me, forward, one me, step back, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other connection that that's interesting to make around that is that to me, b- because what's ironic about that is that before the patriarchal cultures, um, you know, also we that's when that's when we started having 
the, the split between the sexual um, and the spiritual. And that's when mm-hmm. we started demonizing sexuality and, and animalizing the body. In, right. in the, the times where the, where the goddess was honored and the sacred feminine was honored and women were honored, that split wasn't there. Like, you know, like, like sexuality was considered a very valid mm-hmm. path to the sacred, to, to union. And in some of the Eastern religions, you know, Taoism and the tantric traditions, they still, sure. you know, they still teach that. Um, yeah. And in some of the indigenous traditions that that split doesn't exist. They consider everything sacred, including the, you know, the, the fish and the birds and the creepy crawlies and the stones and the trees and the genitals. Um, right. But even... If we're gonna, even if we're going to go by the by the Western religions that tell us that God is, you know, God is everywhere, omnipresent. But then, you know, don't don't tell me that God is everywhere except for the bedroom and the genitals. Right. Um, yeah. You know. God, Meanwhile, either, that's how life I- exists. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks to that process. Yeah. Like how how ironic, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and then the whole other thing about misogyny. If, if you if we really think about it, misogyny and homophobia are two sides of the same coin. Right. And, and I think the more that I think about it, which is the reason that I've been doing this work with empowerment and particular women's empowerment is that the, the deeper one is misogyny. Mm. Um, because like take, for example, so, you know, some of the bib- biblical prohibitions that condemns that were interpreted because a lot of this stuff was in misinterpreted as mistranslated and translated two and three times and stuff was put into those sacred texts. I agree fully. Stuff was taken out and it wasn't, it was taken out of their cultural and historical context. For sure. Let's go with that. Let's use use the one, you know, the the, the biblical prohibition that has been translated and interpreted to say that you shouldn't lie with a man as you do with a woman. Like, all right, mm-hmm. well, let's look at that. Wait a minute. It doesn't say anything about women. And why was that? Because women right. were property. Women weren't even considered human at right. that time. Property. Right. So who cared what they did in bed? Yeah, um, right. And, and even even today, you know, like where you'll talk to, you know, like some of the most homophobic um you know, people that you know, or like heterosexual men who say, oh my God, two women together, ooh, that's, that's hot, that's, you know, they want to know more about that, they want to see that, they want to mm-hmm. even maybe participate in that. Sure. But you put two guys together, it's like, oh my God, yeah, you gotta, you gotta shoot them or kill them or... Right, or, <laughs> right. <laughs> Something so what crazy. Is that? You know, what yep. is that? And to me, is that because subconsciously, of course, when two men are seen together, one of them is supposedly willingly giving up the superior the quote unquote superior male status which is right. profoundly threatening to the status quo right and and that's the reason that i think that that male um you know homophobia or homophobia against gay men is, is really the, the strongest and, yeah. and because it is a very threatening thing to to, to yeah. the way that we have all been doing um right culture and society on this planet yeah yeah, and I, I think a lot of times when you see the people who are really homophobic and it doesn't even necessarily make sense, um, it, you know, you, you, I'm sure you've heard it said, you know, well, these individuals have their own tendencies and they're, that they don't understand and they're scared of, right? Yeah, exactly. Like that's the whole, you know, thing about projection, the psychological defense sure. mechanism that we judge and make wrong something over there, but that, mm-hmm. that is also in here. Right, exactly. So when we when we go see a movie, you know, we see the movie out there on that screen, but the source of it is really behind this, you know, from that little right. uh, projector. Right. 
So right. in the same way, like, and we can even apply this to our own relationships, not just about sexuality. Um, right. The more that somebody does something that gets us and gets us upset, the greater mm-hmm. the, the, the more clear it is that we, we also do that in some way. Yep. Yep. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, def- it's all reflections, right? I always talk yep. about that mm-hmm. on the show. It's all reflections and, you know, you don't see people as they are. You see them as you are in a yeah. sense. And it's always somehow talking, you know, reflecting back some, some part of self. And if there's some sort of hang up with some external, uh, situation or person or event, it's a, a great opportunity to, uh, you know, especially as, as those of us, of course, listening to the show, we're all working on ourselves. We've taken with the plunge of, ah, I understand I'm here for self-work, for self-growth. How can yeah. I start down that, that path? And I think a great piece of advice for anyone is if there's something that is triggering you external of self, that is a great indicator to take a look within and see, you know, how does that relate to something within you? Right? Yes. Yes. And, and it's very subtle because the more advanced we, we go on that journey, of spiritual um, awareness, the more subtle and the more insidious that the little ego um, mm. becomes. Yeah. So, so but it's, let's, it's let's, a slippery like, little devil. <laughs> oh my god, it's so slippery. So, so, but let's get let's take like a really really extreme example, like a terrorist. Like right. I can't imagine that any any anybody listening to this would you know wrap their body in, in explosives and go walk walk into a crowded mall and and set themselves off. So right. that's really easy to externalize it, to make that about them, and I would never do that. Right. But if we ask ourselves, have, have we ever terrorized others emotionally? Have we ever terrorized our, mm. ourselves emotionally? Mm. And of course we have. We're still, yeah. in most cases, still doing that. The way, right. the way that we treat ourselves, the, the things that we say to ourselves, um, we would never say to somebody else. We are so right. mean and so cruel to our, to our own selves. Right. Yeah, well said. So yes, there there is a terrorist inside of us too, right? And well, everything, everything in the world that you see, I would I would venture to say is somehow uh, a reflection of a part of self. We are very uh, yeah. complex beings, right? And this whole world is a reflection of uh, of self in some way, shape, or form. And yeah. uh, the yeah. more we can uh, approach it, understanding, ah, this is a this thing over here. This terrorist is a, is a extension of self, a part of self that needs healing, that needs greater compassion and understanding. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm so fond of the, the John Lennon quote, love is the answer. Now, what was the question? And it seems kind of cliche and, you know, all those things, but it's really true. It's like when you fully understand it's all an extension of self and I'm approaching, you know, anything and everyone that I bump up against, especially if I bump up against it in my reality, you know, out of all the possibilities and potentials, um, this thing, this person, this event is bumping up into my reality. It's very close to home in some level. So if you yeah. approach it as, you know, everywhere I go, I'm there waiting for myself. And yeah, how yeah, do I approach yeah. it as how can I bring healing to it? it it's a game changer in, in, in the, the, the terms, in terms of judgment and all those persecution and pointing the finger. It's, it's, it's always, you point a finger and two are pointing back at you when you yeah, understand yeah. this, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So true. That's ultimate, ultimate truth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to switch gears a little bit here, uh, as you know, um, as the listeners know, uh, probably what's coming, I love a good story of synchronicity or serendipity or a positive paranormal event and uh, hoping that you have something up your sleeve to, uh, <laughs> to share. 
You know, that, that is such a good question because I really, I live that. I live that way. So, so there's so many. I hear that, I that as, a, as an immediate answer so often. You know, everyone on this sort of path, it's like, oh, yes, which, you know, there's so much that happens. Yet it's not something that we consider the, you know, a normal thing in consensus reality, which is it's exactly. interesting. Exactly. Exactly. Because I think when we step into this, you know, call it spiritual, for lack of another word, um, realm, reality, way of living that's not that of, of the world or the consensus reality, as you say, or, or, the, or the ego mind. Mm-hmm. We're really stepping into a different reality, almost like a different world that has different physics and different laws. Um, right. So, you know, here, here's one example. A few years ago, I was, it's part of a longer story that we don't have time to get into, but I was basically tricked by the universe to come back to Florida after living 20 years <laughs> in, in California, Northern California, where, which in, in many ways is like my spiritual base. It's where um, I'm at right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, is that where you live? I live in Southern California, but uh, I am, uh, I've been sort of on an extended stay in Lake Tahoe. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, such doing a some work here. And, yeah, oh, I love it. Such a beautiful part of the country. So, so anyway, I end up back in Miami where my family is. So, so there, there was wisdom. I could see the wisdom of being, being back in Miami. I could see, you know, that there's more need for me there for sure than there is in Northern California. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm doing much more work in, on the East Coast these days. But mm-hmm. it's not what I would have chosen. It's not what I would have preferred. Um, right. So anyway, rent, I rent a house. Um, and, and, and the guidance was to, to rent a big house. You know, I was perfectly content in a two-bedroom apartment in, in Marin County in California. So I, you know, it's, I, mm. I live alone. But the direction was, the guidance was to create community. And, and, mm. and that's a whole other story of how that came about that was also full of synchronicity and and a way but but so anyway, I ended up ended up renting a big house because you know I had a huge um meeting area where I could do workshops on retreats and offer breath work and began to create community down in in Miami mm-hmm. and so within the first year the the owner places that on the market and th- this was when the, the market was really bad down there. So nothing happened in the year. The second year, they showed it a couple of times. The third year, on the same day that, that in the morning, I get an email from the, re- the owner's realtor um, mm-hmm. letting, letting me know that they had received an offer that evening in the middle of, of a breathwork session, you know, with 20 people there at the most quiet, quiet, you know, most intimate point, bam, bam, bam. Uh, the boyfriend of one of the next door neighbors was, you know, just irate and enraged because somebody had parked on their property. So mm. at this point I knew that it wasn't about that. I knew that we had outgrown the neighborhood because it had become an issue. Parking had become a problem. Um, mm-hmm. And so I have six weeks to find another, and I call it a temple. I, I rent a house, but I call it a temple, and I treat <laughs> I it like as such. That. You know, it honors all all spiritual traditions, but it, with particular dedication to the sacred feminine. Um, so I call it the goddess temple for the reasons that we were talking about before. Love that. Um, and, and because I believe that the empowerment of women and the return of, of the sacred feminine in all of us is the single most important thing that needs to happen in the world um, right mm. now. And that to that, we can connect all the other issues that we face um, ah. as a species. Um, but anyway, so six weeks, three of which I'm already scheduled to be traveled. The last week is... Uh, Thanksgiving where nothing happens. I was able to cancel one of the trips, the other two I couldn't. So I go to see maybe um, 
10, 12 different properties and nothing. Like stretching to make it work and nothing. Like, you know, in one case it went from from yes to no, and then they came back and said yes, and then I came back and said the final no when I found the temple where I am now. Um, mm-hmm. So Thanksgiving week, and I'm like, all right, well, I guess I guess we're not doing this. I guess I'm going to go nomadic for a while. I guess we're not going to do a temple right. right now. I have movers scheduled. I have those pods already scheduled. And on Thanksgiving Day, I go pick up a friend, um, so one place, and then pick up another friend in Coconut Grove, which is where I end up being now. It's the oldest part of Miami. It's full of old vegetation and and trees. But parking, at least in the area that I was thinking of Coconut Grove, um, is not available. So I'm thinking, it's so sad. It's it's too bad that there's no parking in the Grove um, Mm -hmm. because it's always been my favorite part of Miami. And I I have that thought as I'm pulling up in to pick up my friend and I'm texting him. And and in that instant arrives a text from this beautiful uh, young woman who... I just completed a retreat um, and her mother is a realtor. And so she goes, Hey, I know that I know that you're working with another realtor and I know that it's Thanksgiving and that you're probably not even thinking about this, but I felt compelled. I felt driven to get on the computer and to look for a house for you. And this property, this property showed up and it's in Coconut Grove Mm. and they just reduced it by a thousand bucks. So the Coconut Grove part of it just like got my attention. I said, all right, well, tell me that. And she sends text me the address, and I know the part that I know the street is like wow. I would have never thought of looking there because I would have thought those properties were like outrageously expensive. Sure. And, but I said all right, but I'll, I'll I'll play. And so you know, go to go to my sister's for dinner, come back, and go see the house. It's like oh my god, um, parking is not going to be an issue at this wow. property. And so I said all right, let's let's go, let's go see it. And so the next day she had to call the realtor three times because the owner, she says, you know, the owner's already going to rent it to one of his friends. And so the third time she goes, look, you don't understand. This guy's your ideal tenant and this is his house. And so the woman laughed and she goes, all right, all right, all right. Come on Saturday. So on Saturday we go like posse of five, you know, three women and and my friend and I. (laughs) And so I'm, I'm having a conversation with the, with the realtor, like in the front of the inside, right in the foyer of the house. And I tell him my only concern is the noise from next door because they do weddings and receptions. It's the same owner owns the house next door where they do weddings and receptions. And, and, I, mm. and I said, I got to do meditation retreats. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that the owner had Googled me, so he he was intrigued. And for mm-hmm. the first time had come, actually came over to meet the prospective tenant. So, you know, we make the introductions and he goes, look, I want you to be reassured that the music sh- stops at 11. And mm. he had just kind of overheard that conversation. He goes, and, and I want you to come over. The way that the music is located, you probably won't even hear it. That's not true. You definitely mm. do hear it. But most of the time, mm. it's beautiful and elegant and all that. Mm-hmm. So we go around the back of the house, and we run into a peacock. And not two weeks before, the last retreat I did at the previous temple, um, this woman, the realtor and her mom... And I had had a conversation about peacocks because one of them was wearing a peacock shirt or something. And so we mm. talked about all the spiritual symbolism of a peacock. Ah. And there's one, there's a peacock that, you know, now there's, it's out of your hands. We now have a temple wow. peacock. And oh, we keep, too cool. <laughs> we keep on going to the center court. And, you know, the, this is like a old Spanish architecture with a central court. Um, and we run into my nephew with his fiance, now wife. 
and they're looking, checking out the venue for their wedding, unbeknownst to me. And Whoa. the story, the story gets better. It turns so, so they know he knows they know my two of my colleagues from Breathwork already, and mm-hmm. it turns out that he knows Janelle, the the realtor's daughter from middle school. It's like who makes this wow. stuff up? Who has time <laughs> to put all these players together? Um, right, right. And so suddenly, um, you know, it's like it's, it's hello, like a family hello. reunion yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah, it's like everybody <laughs> laughing. The owner's like looking at me, like, "What's going on here?" And I tell him, that's my nephew. And so I. I knew before I knew at the handshake because um, I felt the energy exchange. Um, mm. But now at this point, there's no, there's no question, there's no doubt. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, wow, what and a this, fascinating, the story, the story cool goes story. On, but I'm sensitive, sensitive to to our time. Right, right. It continues. <laughs> it continues. It continues. Wow. Well, that is, uh, you know, I love stories like this too, because it's one of those things. It's a great example of, hey, we're trying to make something happen. All of us do that. And that's sort of the, I would say the the dance that is this life. And as you start to understand how things work, we, we set intentions and we turn over rocks, so to speak, uh, to, to find our place, to find our temple, right? But when it's not panning out, you, you let go, you release, let go of the yes. expectation yes. and the need. Yes. And then it's almost, it's, it's so uh, funny because once you let go, all of a sudden it's like you're out of the way, your expectation is out of the way and things can rearrange range in such a unique way where, you know, all these, uh, you know, all these things happen like this woman randomly deciding she needs to search for you. I mean, who does that? Right. And, uh, no, it's crazy. And And, and the rest of the rest of the story continues because it, it, it deals with trust. You know, like so many of us like struggle with like, wow, how do, how will I pay the bills if I really, yeah, you know, follow my heart's calling. Um, right. And and so the story. I mean, the the punchline of the story is that that when we when we say yes to the soul's calling, that mm-hmm. that and, and like you're talking about, just let go of the attachment to the outcome. Right. We can count on the support of the universe. Yeah. Because absolutely. I, I ended up taking an extra thousand dollars a month in rent, and yet mm. within two months. Um, you know, I'm just, I mean, I'm cutting, I'm just giving you the, the punchline, not sure, telling you sure. all, yeah, the, yeah. all the synchronicities Please. that went with it. But within two months, somebody who owed me uh, um, $17,000, like one of, you know, his grandmother died and got some money and that's the first thing he did. So clean that up. So, wow. so, so it's, so that's the point that I'm trying to make to your listeners. Like when we say yes, it, it's a collaborative effort. When we're coming from that right. place of soul, from that place of mission, it's like right. we don't have to do this alone. We we, we are not doing this alone, um, yeah. And that it becomes a collaboration, a collaborative effort between us and the universe. How, whatever we whatever that means to us, whatever however however we relate to and understand that, right. Um, and so I said yes, and I took on a right. I'll take an extra twelve thousand a year, mm-hmm. and yep. then they, the universe, whoever's you know working the other side, is saying, all right, <laughs> right. Good. no problem. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see your twelve, and here's an extra. Uh, an extra few thousand go buy some pretty things for the temple (laughs) right right isn't that beautiful I love that and so often we're making judgment calls on there's not enough there's not enough and uh, I need to say no because there's not enough And, and when you put faith into what you're doing, you know the intention of what you're doing, and you say, "I don't know how I'm going to tackle this uh, additional um, 
responsibility, right? Financial responsibility in this case, yeah. but I, I trust and I have faith. And uh, when you do that, I mean, I've heard so many similar stories where the money all of a sudden just appears from some obscure place that you don't even expect it to appear from. Yeah. And it's like, like even before the 17,000, I was, you know, I was, I was taking a bath at the old, at the old place because the new one doesn't have, um, doesn't have bathtubs and I actually take baths from time to time as a you know energetic cleansing purification thing mm-hmm. especially when I do a, a lot of retreats and works and workshops and and breath work and so I having a conversation with the powers that be he's like all right well this is these are pretty strong signs pretty powerful signs and that's how I guide my life you know so it's within this conversation with the universe and so, so I guess I guess we're doing this I guess we're gonna get a new temple and we're and I'm taking an extra thousand dollars a month and I'm trusting right. that it's gonna work out and for me that word trust feels a lot better than than faith because trust is like a deeper thing it's like a sense of knowing uh, yeah. almost right um, not like blind faith it's like I, I know sure like if sure. I say yes I know that somehow it's gonna mm. work out so I like I that yeah I get out of the tub and there's a text from a woman who's been doing my work. And she goes, hey, um, I just wanted to be the first one to know that I've got this huge promotion at work and I know it's because of the work that I'm doing with you. Um, and so I'm committing for, for, for the next year, I'm committing to 300, 300 a month for, for the temple. Wow. And, and so, wow, great. And I was like, yes, and I only have to come up with an extra 700. But right. more touching to me, more important to me is this conversation with the other side, which, yeah. you know, which I said, all right, I'll do it. And, and then they say, okay, all right, we got you. You're not, you're not doing this alone. Right, right. Beautiful, beautiful example, beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing. Christian, this has been uh, absolutely awesome to connect with you. Um, you. You have so much wisdom and you can just hear and feel the, the calmness, you know, the, it just, you know, that's the interesting thing about people that have done the work, that are doing the work uh, like yourself, that I always notice, you know, c- getting the opportunity to connect is how grounded your energy feels and how how calming it feels to interact with you. So I know that is translated. Yeah, as you talked about with the handshake, you know, it's the same type of thing, right? Energy yeah. knows no bounds. It's 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 yes. moving over uh, the airwaves as listeners listen to this once it's released, and it's going to have an impact. And so I appreciate the impact that you're having, uh, not only on myself but on on those listening. I do have one final question I'd like to leave you with. And uh, in a court, well, before I get to that, what is the best way for listeners to to follow your work, to connect with you if they're interested in a retreat through through your website? Yeah, the website soulfulpower.com and, and get on the email list, and then that'll I send out you know period, periodic reminders of when the retreats are and how they can get involved and register and all that all that good stuff. Excellent, excellent. So my final question I like to leave uh, leave off with to end with. Um, in 60 seconds or less, what is the meaning of life according to <laughs> Christian de la Huerta? Uh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I think to, to be the most that we can be, um, to fulfill that, that unique human potential that only we can do. There isn't anybody out there that has the same genetics in this universe or any other universe that has the same mm. genetics, that has the same set of experiences that make us who we are. If we right. give full expression to that, Nobody else is going to do that. Yeah. I love that. What a great, profound, profound 
and simple perspective. Christian, thank you so much, my friend. It is an honor. I look forward to connecting with you at some point and uh, I'd love to come and enjoy one of your workshops. And uh, until then, journey well, my friend. I would love that. I would love that. And thank you so much. I feel a um, strong connection with you. I'm very grateful to have connected with you and look forward to doing that in 3D. And and thank you for doing the, the beautiful work and the beautiful service that you do for all of us. It does, it does wow. make a difference. Thank you so much, Christian. I really appreciate you, my friend. All right. Blessings. Well, everyone, that concludes this week's interview episode. If you have enjoyed this positive download from our hearts and minds to yours, please take a minute, give us a rating or review on iTunes. Since iTunes is the holy grail of all things podcasting, uh, your good reviews help us to reach more listeners. Also, we would be extremely appreciative if you would tell your friends and family about the show. Our sincere intent with the Positive Head podcast is to spread positivity to the world because, well, because we're selfish, quite honestly. Uh, I say that jokingly, but really only halfway joking. I'm referring to the good kind of selfish based on the knowing that we all get what we give in this life because when we give, we're actually always giving to extensions of self since we're all really one in the same consciousness, just in different bodies. So if you want to be a good selfish along with us by helping to spread the positivity, by all means, please proceed to shout about the Positive Head podcast from your rooftop. <laughs> Otherwise, as you continue on your fabulous journey in this 3D reality, be sure to remember this. As long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Journey well, everyone, and thank you for being.